This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. There's a saying that the most powerful mechanism we have to motivate, to inspire, and to educate is storytelling. And the purpose of storytelling is not to tell you how to think, but to give the listener the tools to draw conclusions, which is why storytelling has been such a useful tool for parents, teachers, and educators of all kinds for centuries. Both adults and kids can understand and learn from stories, and the old school method is making a comeback. Meet the Tony Box, a lovable little storytime friend that's giving kids an alternative to screens by putting the power of storytelling back into their hands. If you're a child trying to make sense of the world and trying to learn and grow, what better way to do that than to put hundreds of stories in front of them to see how other people came across obstacles and had to use creative thinking to overcome challenges. It's very empowering and it's very immersive in helping a child grow their imagination. Drew Vernon is the U.S. Marketing Director for Tony's, an audio storytelling box that introduces children to the wonders of narrative long before they start reading. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Drew dives deep into his marketing strategy for bringing an internationally loved product stateside and why marketing storytelling is a winning strategy. Plus, he discusses the importance of having reliable characters and intellectual property that customers can connect with. And he details how to conquer the biggest obstacle right out of the gates when you convince the customer to buy the product and keep coming back for more. Enjoy this episode. This message is brought to you by Salesforce. Hey marketers, today's B2B buyers are more complex than ever, and every buying committee has different needs and goals. Salesforce can help. We'll show you how to put each and every customer at the center of your B2B marketing strategy, and you'll learn how top brands like Lyft approach account-based marketing. Salesforce, market to every account, speak to every buyer. Find free B2B marketing and ABM resources at sfdc.co slash every dash buyer. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Drew. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? It's a great day to talk marketing uh, and to talk Tony's uh, and your, your background. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing? You know, I had a couple of loves in high school from an academic point of view. One was uh, in business and the other was in psychology. Uh, And I learned that, you know, marketing was basically a marriage of the two uh, where business is about, you know, trying to create value and and sell things. And psychology is about understanding the human mind and the reason why people make decisions. And uh, that's kind of what got me into marketing. So went to school uh, for business and, and after a brief stint as a stockbroker, I went back to business school uh, with marketing specialization, and that's how I came to to find myself in the field. Yeah, and so you've been working in the uh, toy industry for a little bit here. Um, And for our listeners who don't know, can you share a little bit more about Tony's? Yeah, sure. Uh, Tony's is a digital screen-free listening device for kids, uh, like a a smart speaker system, basically, but it's screen-free. It was actually started by a couple of dads in Germany a few years back, and they met on the board of a preschool together. And one of the things that they noticed is that their children's teacher was using CDs to play songs and stories in the classroom. And they thought, gosh, CDs have been around forever. Uh, They're kind of clunky. They scratch and kids can't operate them without uh, adult supervision, at least at those young ages. So they they went about to create something better. uh, And they came up with the Tony Box, which is, like I said, a speaker system, but it's actually got like a layer of foam around the speaker itself. So it's actually very soft. Um, so you're not going to break it. Uh, it's not going to break your kid. Uh, you can roll it around if you want. And uh, it's, it comes to life with a, a system of figures that we call Tonys. And, and you place a Tony on the top of the box and it will play the story or the song or whatever content that it's programmed to play. And it, they launched it in Germany about five years ago. They've sold uh, over two million boxes. And we just came to the U.S. last fall uh, when we launched in September. Yeah. And what, what a time to launch in the middle of everybody being at home, uh, everybody, uh, you know, being, uh, having the opportunity to be around their kids potentially uh, a little bit more. How has, uh, how has the years, uh, been for you in terms of, you know, getting this in front of more, uh, more parents and kids? 
Yeah, it's definitely presented some challenges. Um, a lot of the the marketing tactics that I would rely on uh, have kind of vanished or, or been altered just in terms of, of getting the product in front of people. You know, people aren't really going a lot of places or, or congregating. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it's been uh, actually a, a pretty big advantage because we're screen free and because the screen time for kids right now is is insane. And a lot of that parental guilt that we used to have after giving your kid an hour of screen time, that's all gone. And uh, we're able to come in and present, you know, another tool in the parent's tool belt to say, hey, you know, this is going to engage your kid like a TV show or like a smartphone, uh, but we do so without the screen and we can still bring their imagination to life. In fact, even more so because the screen is removed, that it, that's been uh, a really big advantage for us. It's such an awesome concept, and uh, um, and I have not checked out the product yet, so I'm super excited. I've just watched watched uh, watched videos online, um, and I'm I'm excited to try it out. I, I have a, a newborn coming my way here shortly, shortly, so I have plenty of years to to get caught up here uh, on the parenting thing. But my my my, my nieces and nephews uh, spend a lot of time on the old on the old iPad. There is, you know, more and more screens with going to school remotely. I mean, this is an important thing for all parents um, right now. Uh, it feels different from when, you know, we were kids and, you know, parking yourself in front of a TV for eight hours, uh, you know, while my mom was at work or something like that might have been, been the case. But you do have this very salient pain point that, that mm-hmm. almost every single parent knows is real right now. Um, and, and it seems like, you know, obviously, you know, these are crazy circumstances, but it seems like it's something that the world kind of needs these type of solutions. Um, do you, do you kind of have like a, a sense of purpose there, uh, uh, that, that, that you build into your marketing? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, you know, you mentioned I've been in toy for a few years. Uh, I was with Lego and now with Tony's, uh, I came in kind of as a marketer and I've kind of, I'm still a marketer, but I, I've really become an advocate for early childhood development. And it's something that's really important to me is enhancing the childhood experience. And I think, you know, putting your kid in front of a screen is a very passive experience. And you can say, well, there's educational content. Well, that's true. And, and screens are, are, are fine. They're, I'm not here to say that there's not a time and a place for screens. Um, but if you can give another resource to a parent that takes that away and, and to give your child a more active experience and to do it in a way that it's independent where it, the parent can go, go work if they're working from home or go do a, you know, a chore or something like that, it's really the best of both worlds to give your child that active experience and to get them away from the screen. Yeah. So how does that, how does that play into your marketing? And, and we, we could even take a step back here and just just say like, how do you think about strategically marketing Tony's in the first place? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a huge question. Uh, I've been working on Tony's for coming up on a year now. Uh, I see it in a couple of different ways because I have, you know, dual roles. I, uh, I have the, the marketing director and I have like the early childhood advocate. And I'm, I'm trying to, to show that there is a, a marketing benefit to being an early childhood advocate, but one is more short-term and one is more long-term. So in the short-term, we just launched in the fall. Um, we had a great um, holiday season. You know, we were able to get on Ellen on the View, and we had some really great national press. We um, partnered with Kristen Bell on her "The World Needs More Purple People" book, and that's just uh, intended to create a broad awareness to say, "Hey, this is a great storytelling device and song device." We've got the Disney characters, you know, Pixar characters. That's great. That's the short term for me to sell some boxes, uh, to grow, to, you know, manage, you know, all of our stakeholders, but the early childhood advocate in me and, and the one who wants to see this really grow into a transformative experience is more focused on the Tony box, not as a toy, but as a tool and showing that, uh, really any type of content can be delivered on this. And if we put these in the classrooms of America and the museums of America and the nurseries and bedrooms of America, we have a really powerful tool to deliver, you know, top quality content, educational content, meditation content, you know, emotional health content to children. And and I think that that's something that they need in this, you know, uncertain world where so much is going on. 
And it's just really hard to make sense of, you know, where we're going as a society right now. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up that, that kind of dual hat. So this is kind of something that some marketing leaders have and others don't, which is like this kind of quasi chief evangelist role in addition to the marketing duties, right? It's the like carrying the, the, the mission and the message to the masses. Um, a lot of M's there. Um, but some, some folks have it, um, and others don't for, you know, for whatever reason, how do you think about kind of, you know, working with, with that dual hat? I think it's about kind of stakeholder management. Cause if I'm being honest, like I would love to spend all my time being a childhood advocate. In addition to my work in my previous company, I, I started uh, a childcare uh, myself. Uh, and I, I saw a lot of kids coming in from different types of households where, you know, they don't always have three square meals a day and they don't always have two reliable parents at home. And so um, that part of me just really wants to um, improve the childhood experience and, and to do it through, you know, content and education. But I can't spend 100% of my time on that because we've got stakeholders, we've got marketing objectives. And so it's really just finding a balance between, you know, doing enough now to make sure that we're growing and to make sure that we're selling, but also to grow something bigger and something programmatic that can be replicated and scaled uh, to the benefit of our kids. One of the things I think is so cool about Tony's is that all kids love toys, right? And all kids love the stories that they get to watch, you know, the movies, the, the, um, you know, the Disney characters, the Pixar characters, these like wonderfully crafted characters that then they can play with and do all sorts of fun stuff. And the way that you can incorporate that storytelling that can mm-hmm. aid in play, uh, that can accentuate, you know, th- these, these stories, I think is really, it's really cool. It's really clever. So, what do you hear back from parents um, that are using this? Like, what are the things that you're hearing back? Uh, and how do you think about putting that into your marketing? Yeah. So, you know, parents love the fact that it's intuitive, that kids can play with it on their their own. So even though there's no screen, um, it's very tactile. And so you, you can squeeze the box, you can uh, select the tracks by, you know, whacking it on the side. And parents just love that, you know, they can give it to their kid and, um, and just have an immersive experience. Um, that's on a very functional level. As I get into more of like the emotional level. So, you know, telling stories isn't just for entertainment. You know, telling stories gives you a reference point. It gives you, um, you know, a hero. Every good story has a hero that goes through an obstacle to get to a treasure. And so, again, if, if you're a child trying to make sense of the world and trying to, to learn and grow, what better way to do that than to put, you know, hundreds of stories in front of them uh, to see how other people kind of came across obstacles and had to use creative thinking to, to overcome challenges. And so from that sense, it's very empowering and it's very immersive in helping a child uh, grow their imagination. And it, and it seems like that that is a potentially more complex message and a more complex sale to make, right? Like just saying, Hey, this is, this is a cool toy that your kid's going to love. Um, is one thing, it is. you know, it's tough. And, and, you know, not everybody is ready for that message. I could go out and and tell people that their, their kids are all going to be geniuses. If, if they buy a Tony box and people will just shrug it off and be like, yeah, yeah, it's just another product. It's just another toy. And so you have to treat that in stages. I actually, uh, personally, uh, being a psychology junkie, you know, I, I refer back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where you, first you have to take care of like the physical needs and then the emotional needs. And then uh, the, the top of the, the pyramid is kind of self-actualization or, you know, who you are as a person uh, and, and what your status is. And I take that into marketing to say, you know, the first thing we need to tell people is that this is a fun toy that, you know, is intuitive, that your kid is going to be able to, to have fun with and enjoy away from a screen. Once we tell that message, then we start to bring in the emotional component of, of selling, you know, people in on the immersive nature of stories and the opportunity to imagine. And then once we get them on that, then we tell them, well, actually, you don't just have to be a, a consumer of a story. You can be the creator of a story. And so, you know, in addition to the, the content Tonys that we have, we actually have creative Tonys, which come empty and programmable with up to 90 minutes of content. And, you know, I give these to my kids and, and I say, hey, go write me a, a poem about worms. 
And I did this the other day and they went off into the corner and they wrote like four verses. They spent like 45 minutes, like trying to rhyme this poem about worms. This had nothing to do with the Tony box. And they came back to me and then they recorded it on the app. And now we have like the worm Tony um, that has like this little creative session of my kids. And I just thought to myself, like, if I can give my kids a creative prompt to go do something that can be recorded and captured for, you know, future, like that's an, a really interesting hook that gets people, you know, excited about teaching their kids the creative process. That's so cool. I think you're right that it's like three, four steps down the, the value prop of the product. Um, maybe, maybe those are features and benefits. Maybe it's something that the parents are saying, okay, that's, that's great if that happens. But when you have an elegant solution and you have a simple solution and you're marketing the simplicity of it, they can get all that value down the road, right? Like when you first gave your kids Tony box, you never thought that they would create the worm song, <laughs> you know, but now it's like, that's, that's probably a memory that, that you'll have, you know, potentially forever. Right. Um, and then those are the sort of things that are amazing to market, but hard to tell that story. Right. Uh, it's like, it's harder to say, Oh, trust me, the second and third and fourth order effects of this are going to be making memories that you have for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. And I've learned a lot because, you know, you think about campaigns and you, you think about, you know, what is your brand and what's your message? Well, the reality is your message is different depending on your audience. And I'm not just talking about your, your demographic audience, but like your psychographic audience. Like, what do you, you know, believe about the world and, and what kind of message do you need to hear? So if you're a frazzled parent that's working from home and your kid is coming in every 10 minutes, you know, tugging at your leg you just need a message that talks about, you know, this is a great device to get your kid off of a screen and engaged. You know, maybe that's not your situation. Maybe you're ready for more uh, of the higher order kind of messaging. So, you know, with teachers, we, we find, you know, teachers love putting these in classrooms and it's not just for the songs and stories. That's great. You know, aftercare, you know, loves these as well. But a lot of the teachers see the value in the Tony box as a classroom management tool. So instead of repeating the same instructions every day, they can put it on a creative Tony. And, you know, they, when they go for circle time, they could say, you know, go into the corner and the creative Tony is going to guide you through your next 20 minute exercise. And it doesn't have to be about the Tony box. It could be a coloring activity. It could be crafts. It could be anything. And that gives the child uh, a guided experience where they understand what the activity is, what's expected of them. They're not poking their neighbor. They're not getting out of line. So we're finding that the classrooms are running more efficiently. Teachers are saving their voices from having to talk all day, um, at least, you know, for circle time, at least part of the day. And it, we're just finding more and more uses um, that I don't think the founders or even a lot of people here at Tony's even, you know, thought to think up or, or try to tell people, um, but people are finding their own creative uses for it. What are some of the the campaigns that you've run that that were the most effective so far? And 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 I do want to get a little bit more into like segmenting the audience based off of some of those those things that you were talking about. I know you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm curious how that played into the actual types of of campaigns that you're running. Yeah, so you know the campaigns are kind of along the lines of this kind of dual mission. We we launched in the fall on, on kind of this short term marketing side because we had some newness. Uh, new product category, we were able to get a, a lot of press. So we were on Ellen, we were on The View. Um, and I think that gave us a, a big first splash. Yeah, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good head start there. <laughs> you know, we just exhibited at CES. I think we made like the parents, um, you know, top 10 list for, for family and kid products. So we're starting to win some awards. We've got some other ones that we can't yet announce, but some national awards that should give us some recognition. And then on the other side, like it's just very much like building things. And so, you know, even before we launched and now that we've launched, like a lot of what I've been working on is just coming to light. So one of which is a partnership with a company called Read for My School. It's an app that uh, helps schools raise money um, and it's based around challenges. We're going to go do like a reading challenge and, you know, you have your donors that will pledge money and the, 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 the money gets unlocked by, you know, the kids, you know, working together to complete the challenge. And this was a great fit for us because, you know, we're already getting into the classrooms and we thought, hey, can we uh, do a Tony's branded challenge around literacy? So 
you know, in a couple of weeks, we're launching this with them, uh, where we're going to be able to, you know, have some fun with these fundraisers and get, you know, Tony's into more schools. And hopefully, you know, if kids, you know, come back with, you know, some Tony swag that they'll take it home to their parents, their parents will learn what a Tony box is. How did you capture the value of being on Ellen, being on The View, getting that sort of press? Because I know that's that's one of those things where it's awesome until the website crashes or or whatever it is. But how did you how did you get your systems prepped to uh, capture the value that you created? Yeah, well, I should say that uh, we have this really great team. Um, the the Tony's team, uh, I think we're up to like 250 or 300 globally. Most of the folks are in headquarters in Germany. But uh, for Tony's USA, we've got, you know, 20 or 25 people that were all kind of constructed during this, you know, COVID time where we don't have a physical office. We have, you know, we're natively remote. And I think that allowed uh, Christoph, my boss, uh, president of Tony's USA, allowed him to really handpick the best and brightest across functions. And so we've got, you know, the best content creators and, you know, the best operations team. And and really, we were ready for something like Ellen to hit where we were able to fully capture that value. Uh, And we weren't, you know, overwhelmed. I I think the trick for us and for me as a marketer is is really to, to use that as a springboard to say, yeah, we're on Ellen, but, you know, we can't be on Ellen every day or we can't, you know, be on The View every holiday season. Maybe we will, but that informs kind of like our, our product line and what kind of you know newness we need to bring, but also what the newness in our communication strategy and our go-to-market strategy is so that we can continue to get uh, earned press uh, on a national level. You all have some amazing partnerships uh, with Disney, with uh, Scholastic. How do those things come about? Uh, how does that play into marketing strategy? How, how do you figure that the way to, to get value from those relationships uh, in your marketing. Yeah. So uh, Disney came on uh, initially over in Europe after, you know, they started seeing success, you know, they call it Tony mania in Germany because the it just like started flying off the shelves. And once they had some success with that, with kind of like our own content, that's when uh, they were able to secure the, the deals with Disney and Universal and others. I think for us coming into the U.S. market now, having those already in place is really great because if you can bring a known entity along with a a new product category, it takes some of the mental lift off of your consumer because if you're, you know, holding up one of your own characters, I know, you know, our listeners won't see this, but I'm holding up a little Fox. He's our counting songs box. He's got some great, you know, content on here, but no one's ever seen him before. You know, if I hold up Woody or Elsa, everybody knows what that is. So when I say that, you know, this, figure is going to play songs, they know it's going to be let it go. And so it just helps us uh, make that little shortcut in, in demonstrating the value proposition. It's such an awesome, you know, perfect partnership piece for you all. But it's such a, it's such a, it's such a perfect thing because like you said, the child is already used to this story coming from this person, this song coming from this person. It starts them on a road to understanding how these work. And then as you're introducing new characters and new people into their life, then like they have an expectation of what that stuff looks like. Is it something that you, you know, as you're, as you're selling the product that you see people, you know, gravitate to those sort of packages that, that they know and then branch out from there? How do you look at, you know, remarketing to those people, uh, to your current customers and looking at, you know, upsells and things like that? I think we're really well situated for kind of repeat consumers. We see that, you know, the, the box itself, you know, that's, that's the, the obstacle for us is the entry point uh, is just getting a box into the home. And then after that, you know, you pay 15 bucks for the characters. And we find that, you know, on average, you know, parents are buying, you know, seven to 10 of these a year. Um, and we get the families that come in, maybe they come in on a Woody uh, or Elsa Tony. And then they say, this is really actually kind of cool. I, I, need to make a library for my kid. And, and then it come, it's just a matter of how fast can Tony's come out with new figures because uh, we have people and you see it on uh, Etsy and on Instagram, just people that have like shelves and shelves of Tony's. And, and uh, that's kind of what I envision uh, for the US is to kind of grow that affinity level of the community uh, to the levels of what we're seeing in Germany and, and the UK right now. Well, it's, it's, it's a cool thing because you're, you're augmenting reality in a way with the Tony where it's like they're using, you know, the physical 
thing in their hand that they can, you know, feel in touch, like you said, screen free, but they're also getting this story and they get to tell the story. Well, sometimes they get to create it themselves, but they get to to do that stuff. I'd imagine that as you get all different types of, you know, new things that are coming out, new product launches, you know, new new Tonys that are coming out, that you really want to have a close relationship with your uh, with your customers to to try to build like lifetime value um, mm-hmm. and not be not be overly you know salesy, not to be you know overly just like pushing product all the time. Um, how do you think of like lifetime value uh, of getting of of your of your customers? And then also, obviously, at some point, your your customers grow up, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I know we're still you know. Probably, uh, you know, I don't know, twenty years away from uh, from your your youngest customers uh, having <laughs> because of their own or something. But but in the meantime, uh, you know, how do you think about lifetime value? That's something I think about quite a bit um, because people ask, like, oh, what's the target age for for Tonys? And and right now, I would say that our sweet spot is preschool ages. You know, three, four, five simply because uh, that's where our our content is currently with the Disney princesses, Pixar characters, but it's a, it's a device and it, it's, you know, it's agnostic to what the content needs to be. So we actually just launched some white noise Tonys and some nature sounds Tonys. Um, so now our entry point isn't three, it's, you know, infant. And, you know, as you have your child, like the Tony box can start out as a white noise machine. Uh, you might go spend 20 or 30 bucks on a white noise machine. Why not invest in a Tony box started out as a white noise machine so your kid can sleep and then as they get older, then they'll go through their you know Disney phase. And, and then after that, like what else do you want to 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 learn about? Like, um, you know, we are partnering with some of the best, you know, nonfiction content publishers where, you know, dinosaurs, space, volcanoes, like whatever your interest is, it can be delivered through a Tony box. Um, and so I really see lifetime value as a much broader age range than what you might think just in a preschool mindset. Yeah. And, and I think the internet is limitless, obviously with, you know, you can sit on YouTube for, for as my nephew does at times and just, you know, watch train videos. He was big into train videos when he was, <laughs> he was a little kid or well, he still is a little kid, but um, watch 50 train videos uh, in a row. But you know the the internet isn't is is limitless, but you know they can't have you know ten thousand Tonys in their house, you know, or something like that. Um, mm. There is an amount of of scarcity there. So how do you think about like to your point those different types of uh, use cases? Like a school, for example, could have a thousand, uh, mm-hmm. or a preschool could have a thousand or something like mm-hmm. that. Right? I don't know how many version how many Tonys are out right now. So I don't know if you have a thousand yet, but, but to your point, it's like, you could have a box of Tonys that's like, okay, this is, you know, this is, uh, amphibians. This is, you know, whatever, like that's pretty rad. I mean, that's like really a new type of learning education and play, uh, kind of all in one there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, then people start seeing us as a toy company and they see us as an education company Sure, and, you know, we can develop any type of curriculum, any type of content, and we could be programmatic about it so that, you know, and depending on how fast we can crank them out, maybe it starts with, you know, dinosaurs, but then it becomes, you know, well, here's the Stegosaurus and here's the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And, you know, you can get very granular uh, further along as you go. Uh, and so I think in that regard, uh, and that's just from like a figure standpoint, that's not even exploring our product pipeline with what the Tony box can do and how you can increase the interactivity and kind of like the responsiveness, uh, from the child. Could I do a request for product? Um, yeah, sure. could I, could we get a, uh, how to do your taxes one? So it's just like <laughs> all of this, like, I would love for my son to be able to just like knock out my taxes when he's like nine. Just don't worry, mom and dad, I got it. We're good to go. You know, you say that to be funny, but um, that's actually kind of one of my pet peeves is that, you know, I went to school, I went to college and I took all these science classes and science is great. Um, I've since learned to to be more into it. But even as I got through college and I was taking my GEs, I was taking, you know, 
three, four, five science classes. And I never took like a personal finance class. I never learned how to balance a budget. I didn't know how, like, you know, mortgages and credit cards and taxes, like all of that stuff. Like, I feel like there's an opportunity for us just to be better educated and to better educate on. Oh, and yeah. So I would add to that and, and human anatomy. So my, my wife is, uh, is in uh, PT school. And the stuff that I learned from her human anatomy classes is like mind-blowing stuff. I mean, you're talking about like, how does every kid not understand how the human body works? Like mm -hmm. everything about it, like all the different types of things that can happen to you as you get older. So you're not surprised when you're like, my left knee flares up when it like when there's a thunderstorm, uh, is this real <laughs> or am I imagining this? You know, or whatever. I mean, but I think, but those are the sort of things that I think Again, is somebody going to click on the ad that's like, you know, have your you know, four-year-old learn human anatomy better? Like they probably want to stick with Elsa. Um, but I think that it speaks to the larger need that it's like you get them in the door with play and with mm -hmm. fun stuff and with high quality storytelling and stories that they're familiar with and learning those things. And it allows you to, you know, be a canvas for A, them to create their own things, like you said, which is super valuable and B, for, for stuff that's more more life skills. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a great idea. I, I haven't thought of th about that, but you know, uh, life Tony's, uh, <laughs> life lesson Tony's. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, uh, meditate for 30 minutes a day. Um, I also might've just made the product as boring as humanly possible. So beware, beware <laughs> for, that, for that too. Um, I, I, I do, I just love the idea that it's anti-screen. I mean, you're talking about a person who runs a company that makes podcasts. So clearly I love audio, mm -hmm. um, but I, but it's great for that fact, right? It's great because it's the antithesis of screen, right? It is you playing with the world uh, and learning while you're doing it. And that is an important distinction for, for kids and adults to have uh, now more than ever. Right. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I, I think we all have like this intuitive, like repulsion against screens and it's kind of like a necessary evil right now where, you know, you have to use it because it's the only thing that like keeps your kids still. And I get it, but I don't think we really know like a lot of the mechanics behind why we feel like screens are so bad. And I've put some thought into this and, and for me, and, and I'm not making any claims, I, I don't know the science of it. I know that my kids, after they've been on a screen for a couple hours, they act differently they're more irritable. They're, you know, they're not as well behaved, but the thing, what it comes down to for me with taking away the screen is, is when you show somebody something visually, you're presenting a stimulus and you're showing them exactly what the idea is that you're trying to convey. And that's fine for a passive experience, but if you want to engage a child or an adult for that matter, to use their own brain and, and their own creative skills to concoct what they're hearing that takes the burden of creativity and the burden of visualization and puts it on the listener. And so that's kind of my, my rationale for being so um, enthusiastic about providing more of these screen-free experiences. I think there is also just some common sense logic to this of like, imagine if you didn't have a, a screen, if it was just like, imagine staring at a coaster that's six inches from your face for five hours straight. It's like your brain is not, you know, used to that for 10,000 years. Like humans didn't stare at something six inches from their face for hours and hours and hours. You just wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. So I just don't think our brains are, are wired to have that type of physical, or your eyes aren't definitely. Uh, and again, I don't have, I'm not staring at scientific studies right now, but it just, it makes sense. But I think in terms of like development and what you're talking about of like, of creating, of doing, you know, doing those sort of things. I mean, stories are the most powerful mechanism we have to motivate, to inspire, to teach you, to get you thinking about new things. And it's important to put, you know, those in, uh, in children's, um, hands, but, but at the same time, they have to be able to, you know, create their own stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you put a narrative behind something, it, it increases the level of engagement. Um, I'm thinking of like the fables right now, like, and the, like the morals that we teach with fables, like the, the tortoise and the hare or something like you could tell the, the, the story of the tortoise of the hare in like two seconds, slow and steady wins the race. But like people want more than that. They, they want to know, like, they want to care about the, the heroes. 
and, and so I think in that regard, stories it, um, are very entertaining and engaging. But uh, and then I think it comes back to getting enough of these stories to learn the life lessons and to learn the ways to bring it to life, so that you can do it yourself. And, and that really takes you from uh, a consumer experience to uh, a, cr a creator experience. And, and that's ultimately like what I, I want us as a society to get better at is to learn to be better creators and, and to be empowered and to uh, have the mechanics and, and the process in such a way that it will flow more easily. And I really think that we practice through storytelling and, and through practice, we get better. Switching gears to some branding. So Tony's has a very cool brand. You know, the product is the thing. Always great uh, when you can do that. And it had a really strong brand, like you said, in, in Europe, in Germany, where this thing was flying off the shelves and you were launching it in the US. How did you, how did you think about the difference culturally between the two groups? And like, you know, I guess you could, you could say, you know, there is something the Tony's here. It's, uh, you know, for, it's an awards show. Um, so, you know, if you hear, if you heard that, you might get confused or whatever it is, you know, I'm, I'm just curious how you, how you thought about the different cultures um, and bringing a product uh, like, like this in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not an expert on the naming um, uh, aspect of it, but in, in terms of the culture. So I feel like I came in with a little bit of experience here coming from Lego, you know, Danish company, uh, biggest market was Western Europe, very like German minded uh, product design uh, for Lego. Uh, and I, I see the differences uh, with what kind of consumers want and need. I, I think, you know, IPs are, are much bigger here where, you know, it's about the blockbuster movies, whereas in Germany, it's less so. It's more about, you know, your classic fairy tales and things like that. So there's a little bit of a difference with uh, the content. As we start to scale up, you know, we inherited kind of what the existing, you know, Tony character portfolio was. So a lot of the 300 characters that they've created in Germany don't really uh, relate to an American consumer. So Fortunately, we had the, the license deals that, that we had to kind of give us a launch portfolio. But now it's really about bringing kind of like uh, American first uh, content to our market. And so that's what we're currently doing with our content department is, is looking for the best content and the best kind of uh, publishers uh, to bring that to uh, a targeted American consumer. You spent a few years at Lego. It's one of the world's most recognizable brands, one of the world's most popular products for, for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you did some really cool stuff there. Um, one of the things that you did was around uh, you know, digital campaigns and digital touch points and extending some of the, you know, the, the, the physical Lego things uh, digitally. How did you how did you go about uh, you know working on on that? How is how is the mind shift when you're creating those type of digital experiences and digital content when you have a physical product as well? I think you know for Lego it's it's a little bit tricky because um, their mission is to inspire and develop the build, builders of tomorrow, and, and you know Lego is a very tactile brand as well, and so it all comes back to the brick and the build. Uh, and so it is difficult kind of bringing in digital experiences. And, and you know, they've just launched some, some stuff that, that are getting more into to smartphones and screens for, to try to engage older kids. For me, um, and, and, you know, I didn't have this like passion for screen-free while I was at Lego. It wasn't really about that at the time. Sure. Um, but I had success with just, you know, creating uh, content. And so I did a lot of cool stuff with Disney where, you know, I did a, Mickey's 90th birthday video uh, with, with Disney. And, and we got like the voice talent for Mickey and Minnie and we put it up on YouTube and, and it just, you know, got into their algorithm and it got like 60 million views. And I was like, oh, wow. And again, that was leaning on the Disney license, but like, it just really showed me that like, if you do something that's interesting and entertaining, then uh, it can work in a digital sphere. I mean, I think the Lego movie, I've written about this. I think the Lego movie is probably one of the best pieces of marketing like ever made. Um, if you look at how, I mean, I, I just, from the exterior perspective, looking at sales in Lego from pre and post uh, <laughs> the Lego movie, we interviewed Michael Moynihan a while back on this show and mm -hmm. talked a little bit about that. But I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's like, I mean, it's building a franchise that makes money that also is killer marketing for your product. Like, there's not much better than that when it comes to the marketing nirvana. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, Lego is one of the most beloved brands in the world. It's just because people care about it and they build communities around it. And that's the environment that you have to have before you can get into some of those extensions. Like not every toy company can pull off a movie. And, you know, yeah, the last 10 years has seen a lot of toy movies, uh, some better than others. And, and I probably shouldn't name names, but I'm, I'm thinking of something like My Little Pony. And it's like, you know, fun brand. But does My Little Pony have like an active community that's like yeah. sharing like <laughs> like the answer is no, like Lego has that. That's and I point. think that's why they benefit from it. Yeah. And it's like you said, they can bring in a lot of like characters and IP and different sort of stuff that I think helps with that. You know, I mean, when you're bringing in characters that people already know and making your own new characters, you can kind of, you know, create, I mean, the whole thing is like Legos, you, you are, you're building worlds, right? Like it's the beauty of Legos. It's like, you can build the thing that that they tell you to build, or you can just build whatever you want. So it's mm -hmm. like kind of makes sense that the content would be, hey, it's this thing that we built that kind of cobbles together a bunch of stuff that we already have um, that you're already familiar with and some other things that you're not familiar with. And we made something that's that's kind of brand new. So it's funny. I mean, it really, um, it, it adds to the experience, uh, but it's also ridiculously good marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've, they've done a good job with that for sure. So what's next uh, for Tony's? You know, I, I, I mistakenly thought that after Christmas, uh, you know, you see your typical hockey stick seasonality and toy. I, I thought, you know, January, February would, would die down and, and it's just like the opposite. Uh, so really it's, it's about scaling the brand, you know, bringing on uh, talent to kind of help us uh, with all of the ideas that we have. We're, we're putting some really good programs in place. I am really intent on, um, you know, making Tony's part of a, a birthday experience and just kind of owning the, the three-year-old's birthday and the four-year-old's birthday. Uh, and, and that's for a variety of reasons, but um, that's going to be a big focus for me. And then one of the other things that I'm really excited about is, is bringing on, um, you know, a spokesperson who is very accredited in the space of literacy and, and very uh, regarded and it has a long uh, storied history uh, of childhood advocacy. And, and so I'm excited to move along with that and come out with that hopefully uh, later in the year. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM, that is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction automate engagement with each customer. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Drew, are you ready? Uh, yeah, let's do this. What is the coolest thing that you've ever built out of Legos? That's a, you're, this is going to defeat the, uh, the name of, of the thing, uh, the, the lightning round. Since it's lightning round, I'm just going to go with the first thing that came to my mind, which was like a puzzle box. Um, so it's, you know, requires a different, you know, actions and things, um, uh, get a push on the little bricks and see what opens up the next compartment. And, uh, I did that with my kids and had a lot of fun with it. What's your favorite Tony? My favorite Tony. Uh, I love the, uh, in terms of the figure, I love the pirate. I don't have it with me. The, the pirate Tony is really cool. Uh, in terms of content, I would have to say, you know, I've been hearing a lot of frozen in the car. I drive uh, my four-year-old to preschool. So I've, I've got um, the frozen Tony in my head for, uh, for the time being. What is a non-screen, a screen-free thing that you do with your kids that is really fun? You know, I, uh, I'm trying to be a little bit more like extroverted. I, I'm pretty introverted, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to have like a more of a fun side. And so one thing that I've been doing uh, with my kids uh, is just having dance parties and just like playing uh, some music and just like being goofy and just dancing. And, and we've had a lot of fun with that. The old dance, like nobody's watching except your kids are watching you and somewhere someone's probably videotaping you. Hopefully. Hopefully yeah, not, probably. But... The, the good thing is they're not old enough uh, yet to think that it's super lame to, to have their dad like doing super lame dad dancing. If you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? You know, I've always wanted to write 
Um, I've never been like a really good writer, but um, I think writing is just, you know, it's a medium. And if you have ideas, then you have to be a writer. Um, and, and I guess you don't have to write. You could be a podcaster. I'm also trying to get into that. Um, but people who have ideas and stories to tell have to find their medium. And, uh, you know, if I had the time, I, I'd love to get both into, you know, the spoken ideas and, and written ideas. Best advice for a first time head of marketing? Learn the frameworks. I'd say that's one of uh, the things that I really appreciate appreciate about my time at PNG is just like, even though they're huge and even though they move slowly, they've just got the system down and like learn what those are and like reapply that so that when you do um, find yourself in a more nimble, agile environment, you have that to draw upon so that you can actually get stuff done and get stuff done quickly. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? I think for me, uh, it's just like, why is this so important to you? Because a lot of people will ask about like my marketing objectives and, and, and how I'm doing it. And I, I try to balance that out with the discussion that we've had between being a marketer and being an advocate. I think the reason why it's so important to me um, to kind of answer my own question is just because I think that we're living in just like a really weird time. You know, we've got like political stuff going on. We've got a health pandemic going on. I just think that our kids are growing up in a different world and will grow up in a different world than we did. And I think that sucks in a lot of ways because they just don't know a lot of the things that we were able to enjoy. And, and I'm hoping it gets back to normal and yeah, that we're getting the vaccine and, and it's going down, but like there's going to be lasting consequences and lasting effects. And so like, I'm just trying to bring childhood back to kids and I'm trying to bring back like a better childhood for kids. And I fundamentally believe that the better we train our kids when they're two and three and four and five, I think it just builds exponentially because if you learn something when you're three, then you don't have to learn it when you're four or five or six. And that just, it's so exponential that like we have to get kids while they're young in their formative years so that they have those skills to be happy contributing members of, of you know, our world. I totally agree with you. I will say though, that the one thing that has been really empowering and exciting to see is so many people who used to travel for work, who used to do all this crazy stuff, that now get time back with their children that mm. are like, in the past year, I started going on walks with my, you know, husband, or I started, you know, being able, like we take the kids and we go to the mountains every weekend or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is. I think that, I think you're totally right. And like, I think that this is going to, this is this like insanely weird, crazy time. Um, and there's lots of like, you know, secondary and third effects of this whole thing that are bad, not to mention obviously the like massive, you know, death toll and all the crazy sad things about this. Uh, and there's not really a silver lining, but there is something that that came from this, which is like, I think people like somewhat getting a a new understanding of their own life in a way that they had never been able to because they'd never been like jolted out of their reality mm. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I really like that. You know, to me, that's like the definition of disruption. Like yeah. we talk about disruption as like a sexy marketing term. Like the fact of like disruption is like disruption sucks. Like disruption is uncomfortable. You'd never choose it for yourself. But when you come in and disrupt, whether as a marketer or as a virus, like you make people figure things out in a different way. So absolutely, like, let's look at the good. Let's look at all the, the positive things that came out of this. And, and I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. You know, the example that I always share is like, there was this thing that happened in New York back in the day that was extremely devastating. Uh, it was this dangerous, crazy thing that like people's houses were burning down was, you know, not great, but there was this promise for better and it was going to take a bunch of jobs away and all that. And the thing was electricity and the people's jobs that were being lost were the lamplighters. And it's mm -hmm. like, it, the world is a crazy complex place. And it's like, to think that there were people that were against electricity um, that were like, no, I don't want this because of X, Y, Z. Like, I think that um, you're totally right that it's like, change is really hard. Disruption is really hard, but 
you know, it's on us to, to kind of build on what came before us and everything. So, um, well, a, 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 quite an ending to, uh, to our, uh, to our talk about marketing toys here today. Thanks so much, Drew. I appreciate the insight, uh, and the, and the candor and, uh, and really excited to, to follow along for our listeners who want to check out one of these amazing toys, go to, uh, tonies.com, T-O-N-I-E-S.com to learn more. And, uh, and, and Drew, any final thoughts, anything to plug? Uh, you know, the last thing I'll plug is just our fan community. Uh, it's small, but growing quickly. Um, we've got one on Facebook, Tony Box USA. And the reason that's important to me is because this is people, you know, sharing their love for Tony's and in an unbranded, uncorporate way. So I'm not like telling them what to tell each other. It's just like, go like take this as a medium and like share it with each other and just have fun with it. So, uh, I just plug the community. Awesome. Everybody, uh, check that out. And, uh, and, and grab a Tony box while you're at it. Uh, Drew, thanks again. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Ian. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.